Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. I'm being bombarded by outraged druids. It's not the equinox, it's the summer solstice, but it's holy, I think, to them, and that's why I was generous enough to mention it. Now, Biden and Blinken. Not since Laurel and Hardy has there been a double act like it. Which one's Laurel? Which one's Hardy? You take your pick. Blinken begged the Chinese to be allowed to visit Beijing. They had not even picked up his phone calls or the phone calls of any other senior officials of the Biden administration because of the bogus hullabaloo about an off-course weather balloon. You remember it? It was turned into one of the great triumphs of the American top guns, you remember? So the Chinese were extremely offended about it. Blinken had to beg for a meeting. He finally got one. And then he had to beg at that meeting for a meeting with the big man, the top man, not Joe Biden, but the president of China, Xi Jinping. He had to beg quite hard because Xi Jinping was not that pleased to see him, judging by the body language when the two of them met, which saw Blinken bowing you might call it kowtowing, whilst a very, very diffident Xi Jinping stood very frostily, extending his hand just a little so that the two could shake. Anyway, the talks apparently went quite well. And by all accounts, some significant issues, not least of communication between these two biggest economies in the world, these two superpowers, and, of course, two countries where the danger of World War III lurks underneath the waves, on top of the waves, in the air, waves everywhere. It seemed like it was a success. But no sooner had Blinken got back to the United States. In fact, I'm reliably told he hadn't even unpacked his suitcase when Joe Biden burst his balloon burst his bubble, blew it all up like the top gun he is, with a ritual, fatuous barrage of insults, as is his want. I've no doubt that they had let him off the leash and they had no idea what he was going to say. Hey, Joe Biden doesn't have any idea what he's going to say. But the insults that he issued against the Chinese leader have returned everything to the square go that they started on. They're getting their shapes up again. They're going toe to toe again. 
and what looked like the possibility of a lessening of tension has dramatically increased that tension back at least to where it was before Blinken began. Just another day in the Biden White House. Now, everyone's calling Hunter Biden's deal with Joe Biden's Department of Justice that he secretly met. And I have no doubt that Hunter Biden's deal was one of the issues that he was discussing with the DOJ officials sitting on steps outside the Oval Office that were captured and released by photographers. Joe Biden's DOJ has not given Hunter Biden a sweetheart deal. The fact that he's been allowed to plead on two minor income tax charges and a technical infraction of America's gun laws means that he will not go to jail. So everything else that was on his laptop has not warranted even a charge. And the punishment, such as it will be, turns out to be the sweetheart deal of all sweetheart deals. Uh, um, a Valentine's Day kissing of his ring. That's the only way you could describe it. Because he's not even going to be tagged. He's not going to spend an hour behind bars, even though people who have faced exactly the same charges got years in prison for it. Even though a grandmother in her late 60s is serving three years in jail for wandering around with or without a moose hat on her head in the January 6th incident, she got three years in jail. Hunter Biden gets no jail for cheating the IRS and swaggering around naked in front of very young girls with a pistol that he should not have been in possession of. Now you tell me if this is increasingly looking like a banana republic. And I defy you to deny it. Tucker Carlson has been going great guns on this. And he summed up in the title, I think, of his latest broadcast, that it is much safer to be the president's son in America than it is to be his main presidential opponent. They're sending his main presidential opponent to prison for offenses, if offenses they be, that Joe Biden himself is demonstrably guilty of and over a much longer period of time and over far more documents and having stored them far less securely. Trump's were in a locked room at Mar-a-Lago. Biden's are in plastic bags parked behind his pretty little green Corvette in his garage, or rather Hunter Biden's garage. Because as you'll recall, I told you about 12 months ago or so, this little Corvette is parked outside the most expensive property in history in the state of Delaware. The landlord is Joe Biden. 
The tenant is Hunter Biden. He's paying a king's ransom to his father in rent. Where's he getting the money from? Well, his laptop gives some clue to that. There was a never-ending stream of foreign payments going into Hunter Biden's bank account. And according to Congressman Grassi in the American House of Representatives, they are now in possession of evidence that shows that not just Hunter Biden as a conduit, some of it being kicked back to the big guy, but Joe Biden, who may or may not be the big guy, directly receiving two payments of tens of millions of dollars, which at the time were not reported to the IRS, have now mysteriously appeared in his tax returns for, I think, 2018. A sum has appeared there of $10 million to the vice president of the United States. The vice president of the United States had a payment in of $10 million while in office. But there's no record at all of who paid him this sum and for what services. Now, you know, call me Sherlock Holmes if you like, but I have worked out that Joe Biden, through his son, through his and other friends and relations, was touting his influence all over the world for big, big bucks, which must be a crime somewhere along the road, isn't it? Maybe even a minor crime that you could plead to, maybe even get that famous slap on the wrist for, but no. His Justice Department is the most corrupt Justice Department in the long history of corruption in the United States of America. And Joe Biden is the most corrupt president the United States has ever had, and I include Donald Trump, and I include Richard Nixon, and I include every president they have ever had in their country. Chicago sounds nice, but better not plan an October weekend there, because every weekend, scores of people are being shot in the democratic stronghold of Chicago. I mention it not out of schadenfreude. I love Chicago and feel for its people very much indeed. They have been misruled for decades by the party to which they are unaccountably loyal. I mention it because it's lesson 25,103 in why you should stop looking to a country so dysfunctional that scores of people are murdered in a weekend in one of its cities which can scarcely recover from a mass school shooting before the next mass school shooting occurs. I wish America would do as Bobby Kennedy is promising to do, would bring its force back into its own country, bring its money back into its own country, and solve its own problems rather than 
swaggering around the world, dealing out deadly, lethal violence, more lethal than any Saturday night in Chicago to countries and peoples all over the world. Stop imagining America is your father. Would you like a father like Joe Biden? Not me. Now let me turn to what will be the subject of my discussion with the expert Scott Ritter in just a few minutes. Variously, this counter-offensive, which was to be a spring counter-offensive and then became a summer counter-offensive, only to stop by the solstice, not the equinox, but the solstice this day. Now, President Putin says it has stalled because of massive losses suffered by the Ukrainians. Stoltenberg, the Norwegian tailor who heads NATO. Is he a tailor or a tailor's dummy? I never quite remember my own insults. Stoltenberg says it has stalled because of Russian resistance and heavy rain. That's a new one. Heavy rain, Russian resistance. Who would have thunk it when they launched their counter-offensive. This matters because if you care about the poor bloody infantry of Ukraine literally being snatched off the streets and press-ganged into the front line without training, without proper organization, a hodgepodge of different regiments, battalions, companies, people they don't even know, they're suddenly in a trench with, with all of them with different weapons systems received from a myriad of Ukraine's friends, they call themselves, who apparently are unmoved by the massive losses being suffered by the people bearing their weapons that they have pushed and pushed into action. Scott will tell us if it's the rain or if it's the Russian resistance or if it's something else. I have a feeling something else is going on. Budyanov, the head of intelligence, has disappeared now for weeks. Although a picture, or a Photoshop rather, of him with some Ukrainian uh, biggins was issued earlier. I must say it was one of the worst Photoshops I have ever seen. If that was Budyanov, I am a Dutchman. It looked like a cardboard cutout or a bloated balloon-like figure that a child would draw and then a picture of the man stuck on top of it. The head of the armed forces, Zaluni, Zaluzny, has also disappeared for the last few weeks. He's not in any of the calls with their allies. He's not at any of the cabinet gatherings, pictures of which are regularly released. So how come Ukraine's armed forces in the middle of a counteroffensive seem to lack a head of intelligence and the head of the army? I was already getting suspicious. And then I saw Mr. Klitschko, the mayor of Kiev today, now, Klitschko packed a proper punch when he was in the ring. I liked him as a boxer. 
I've no idea what he's like as a mayor, but I can tell you he is very angry indeed. And he took to social media today in the middle of a counter-offensive to tell us about the fighting that's going on, not at the front, but in Kiev amongst the political leaders. And that got me thinking that this stalling or lulling of the spring, now summer, counter-offensive may very well be linked to potentially decisive political maneuvers in the dark that are going on in the subterranean world of Zelensky and his political gang. I'm sure that Scott will tell us plenty about that. So, fasten your seatbelts. It is going to be a bumpy night. You can vote on our poll, by the way, which seems to have confused some people. Who is more likely to see jail time? Donald Trump or Hunter Biden? Some of you are voting with your hearts. Some of you are voting with your heads. Some of you are voting for the one they want to see in jail. Others are voting with the one they think is more likely to end up in jail. Me, I'm voting Donald Trump, not because I necessarily think he will end up in jail, but because I'm certain that Hunter Biden will not. This is the mother of all talk shows. Stay tuned for the next one hour and 40 minutes. It's going to be the mother of all talk shows. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Scott Ritter needs little introduction. I've been working with him, trying to stop wars uh, for a quarter of a century. We haven't stopped one yet, but we're not going to stop trying. He is a former intelligence officer in the U.S. Marine Corps, a former highly respected weapons inspector, not least including in the former USSR and, of course, Iraq. Since when, he's on the airwaves at least as much as me and drawing big, big audiences because of the sagacity, wisdom and pluck and courage that he has shown. Please welcome Scott Ritter. Thanks very much again, Scott, for uh, joining us. Let's start with the counter-offensive, has it 
paused? Has it lulled? Has it stopped? Has it been defeated? Will it restart? And if the answer uh, is that it has stopped, kindly explain why you think so. Well, first of all, I think it's it's clear it's been defeated. It was defeated the moment it was conceived. It was defeated the moment they crossed the line of departure. This counteroffensive never had a chance of succeeding. It's uh, fundamentally flawed in terms of its, uh, you know, the, the the goals and objectives. Uh, Ukraine lacks uh, sufficient training, uh, lacks the resources, um, lacks the sustainability to achieve you know, the ambitious program it set out for itself, um, let alone uh, even denting the uh, Russian lines. They're not going to breach the Russian lines. So this 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 counteroffensive has failed. Now, when will Ukraine recognize this failure? Um, to answer that, I think we have to reflect on the fact that this is not a military operation. Had it been a military operation, it never would have been initiated because it has no chance of success. This is a political operation, which means that the goals and objectives of sacrificing um, billions of dollars of equipment and tens of thousands of lives um, are linked to creating a perception of Ukraine's viability um, in time for a NATO summit that convenes in Vilnius in, uh, on, on July 11th. And uh, right now, the Ukrainians understand that they continue along the path that they initiated um, there's no chance of this whatsoever. So I believe that there is an operational pause, a lull, while they uh, lick their wounds, uh, reconsolidate, and seek to find something that is achievable um, so that they can tell NATO, look, all that money you gave us, look what we accomplished. I don't think they're going to succeed, but I think that's the direction that they're heading right now. President Putin said that it had... Uh paused or lulled, I forget which word he used, uh, but that the offensive capabilities of Ukraine uh, were not yet exhausted. Uh, he seems to have a higher opinion of their military potential uh, than you, or is he talking just diplomatically? Well, I think what he said is that, uh, and, and, and his generals have said the same thing, is that Ukraine is probably exhausted uh, 25% of their offensive potential, that they still have 75% of this potential left. But uh, that potential doesn't mean that uh, Ukraine has a chance of winning. Um, because nowhere in that calculation, for instance, is there an ability of uh, Ukraine to um, challenge Russia's air force. Uh, there's no air defense worthy of the name capable of keeping Russian air power out of the forward line of contact. There's no Ukrainian artillery capable of suppressing uh, Russian artillery. There's no Ukrainian electronic warfare capable of jamming Russian communications. And if you can't do that, then you can't get, even get off the starting blocks in a um, in the most sophisticated, dangerous, difficult uh, military operation imaginable. And that is, of course, the uh, breaching operations against a fortified defensive position, which is what Ukraine is trying to achieve right now. Well, well I may be being unkind, uh, but from what I could see, these were not crack troops that the Ukrainians threw into the mall. They were the, the dispensable. They were the sweepings of the press gang uh, floors. I'll tell you why I say that, both because of their complete failure. Uh, you mentioned denting the front line. Many of them never even reached the front line. They were in, the, in that gray zone uh, 
um, between their line and the Russian line never got farther than that. But also what I detect, a slight uptick in the number of surrendering uh, forces that is going on. I'm seeing more evidence of people surrendering. And when we see them having surrendered, they don't look like crack forces uh, to me. Am I wrong or did they put some uh, poor bloody infantry and some well-trained, well-armed troops also? Well, the problem is that Ukraine has, you know, this is the third NATO army that NATO's built. The first NATO army uh, NATO started to construct in 2015, and they had about 260,000 well-trained, well-led, well-equipped troops available when this war started in um, uh, February of, um, of, of 2022. By June, that army was largely destroyed. A second NATO army was reconstituted. 80,000 strong. And this is the army that participated in the uh, offensive in uh, September and October that uh, enjoyed certain success, but they also were squandered uh, by the Ukrainians. And now we're into the third army. Um, this army uh, has elite units and those elite units were thrown into battle, but it's elite is a, is a term of, um, of relativity. Uh, elite in comparison to what? The rest of the Ukrainian army? Yes, one could say that the 47th Brigade, which uh, was equipped with American Bradley uh, infantry fighting vehicles, the 33rd Brigade, which was equipped with German-made Leopard tanks, were the best units in the Ukrainian army. And these are the brigades that led the assault in Zaporizhia. These are the brigades that were destroyed because they're not that good. When we talk about elite Ukrainian forces, we're talking about forces that are poorly trained, poorly led, poorly equipped. You're going to say, Scott, how do they can be poorly equipped with Leopard and Bradley tanks? They don't know how to use this equipment. They don't know how to employ it tactically. Uh, this equipment's too good for their capabilities, so they are poorly equipped. They'd be better off with old Soviet-era equipment that they know how to use, and they're not going to panic. Right now, you have Ukrainian Leopard drivers who are deliberately sabotaging their vehicles so they can't go to the front because they know the second the leopard shows up on the front, the Russians are going to kill it. The Ukrainian troops you see surrendering are primarily from the territorial brigades. These are lesser quality troops. Many of them have been shanghaied off the streets, as you've said, and when they're put on the front line, they don't want to die. They are unfortunately dying in large numbers, but increasingly you're seeing these men put up their hands and walk to the Russians in an effort to live to survive, to ride this war out in a prisoner of war camp instead of being a rotting corpse on the ground um, in, in Zaporizhia. Uh, many months ago, you and I talked uh, about, uh, about casualty levels on the Ukrainian side. And I think we agreed then that uh, the, the numbers of dead and wounded were actually beyond Second World War levels. They were heading in the direction of First World War, War levels of death and wounding. Uh, can you hazard an educated guess at how many men they've now lost? You know, before the final tally at Bakhmut was, uh, was put together, I was confident in a, in, in a calculus that could generate 250 to 300,000 dead. Not because I'm gleeful about it, not because I want it to be so, just that's the harsh reality of the war that was being fought. Remember, this is a war that General Cavoli, uh, the commander, the Supreme Allied Commander, Commander of American Forces in Europe, uh, back in January, told a Swedish Defense Forum is be the scope and scale of the violence is beyond the comprehension 
the imagination of NATO. So they can't even imagine a war this violent. Um, and that's how bad it is. And if you can't imagine it, it's hard to comprehend what's happening here. Since we talked, uh, the, the, the figures from Bakhmut have come in, and those figures are horrible, horrific. Uh, 70,000 dead Ukrainians. Now, some of those dead would have been factored into that original calculation, but I think that we can safely say 330, 340,000 Ukrainian dead. And now we're talking about an additional 10,000 that will be packed on, and that number is going to increase. So by the time this offensive is over, uh, the Ukrainians will have suffered 350, 360,000 dead, inching towards 400,000. And that number will only grow larger as this war goes on because um, they are incapable of mounting a, a meaningful uh, pushback against the Russians who now control the air, control the ground, control artillery, control every aspect of this war. And which means as this conflict goes forward, uh, the Russians are right now, Putin has said we, we that Russia is carrying out a 10 to 1 casualty advantage. That is, for every one Russian that dies, they're killing 10 Ukrainians. That number is only that 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 ratio is only going to get higher. By the time this thing is done, the Russians will be taking out 15, 20 Ukrainians for every Russian that's dead. And of course, as we've discussed before, uh, for every dead Ukrainian soldier, there will be two, at least maybe three, uh, who have been wounded. Do you do you stand by that ratio? That's that's your normal ratio. What I what I would say with Ukraine, because of the of violence uh, that's taking place, uh, they're not evacuating all the wounded that should be evacuated. Uh, many of the dead that we speak of were Ukrainians who, under normal circumstances with well-trained militaries, uh, would have been ev successfully evacuated and given life-saving medical uh, treatment. One of the reasons why these numbers are so high is that many wounded who could have survived have been abandoned on the battlefield, subsequently died. And um, you know, that's just a sad reality. So I would say that the 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 number is probably a one to one uh, for Ukrainian dead and wounded, uh, given the fact that they're so bad at evacuating their wounded. Now, in a very, very telling passage uh, earlier in this conversation, you made the point that this was not a military counteroffensive. It was a political one. Might that be the reason why the head of the armed forces uh, appears to have, might it be that he opposed, he was certainly widely reported uh, to have opposed this counteroffensive until he got a long shopping list of more uh, Western weapons. But what he was really saying was, uh, give me more time. Uh, might that be why he has been apparently shuffled off the scene or worse? And what about the head of intelligence? Where is he? And didn't that picture that appeared in the last day or two uh, insult our intelligence by asking us to believe it was real? You know, right now, um, President Zelensky uh, enjoys uh, a high level of uh, support, according to certain polls in, in Ukraine. He's a wartime leader uh, with support, but that support is rapidly eroding as the um, the, the, the corruption of his um, of his uh, government and the incompetence of his government start to be increasingly exposed. One of his principal uh, political uh, opponents, uh, somebody who uh, is positioned to challenge him in the, uh, the, 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 the election in 2024, March 2024 is when it's scheduled, 
is uh, General Zeluzhny, a very popular commander uh, who has been critical all along of many of the decisions, the political decisions made by Zelensky to sacrifice the Ukrainian army um, in order to impress his NATO masters. Uh, Zeluzhny was very much against um, committing Ukrainian forces to the battle in Bakhmut. He believes that Ukraine would have been better served by preserving the lives of 50 to 60,000 Ukrainian soldiers who could have been put to good effect in a future counteroffensive. He also believed that you can't speak of committing uh, Ukrainian forces to a counteroffensive when you lack the ability to challenge Russian air power, suppress Russian artillery, suppress Russian command and control, and Ukraine can't do any of that. So I think that Zeluzhny has been um, neutralized politically by being uh, removed from the decision-making. I don't know why that is. There's some speculation that he may have been injured in a uh, in a strike against the decision-making center. Uh, there's other speculation that um, he has been uh, sent on a vacation or uh, you know told to go sit in the corner because um, the, Zelensky, in the lead-up to the NATO summit, doesn't need this kind of challenge for somebody who has the reputation of a uh, General Zeluzhny. Now, about the uh, Ukrainian intelligence uh, officer, there's a lot of information that he was wounded uh, by a Russian attack against the, uh, the the headquarters, and that he was evacuated to Germany to receive um, medical treatment, and that his injuries were life-threatening. Many reports came out that he was dead, um, and these were credible reports, which brings into question then who who did we see in this photo opportunity? Was this him? Was it a body double? Was this a Photoshop? Um, and I think you are right to question all of this because um, the information that, that I've been evaluating, again, it's, it's, it's not intelligence information, it's open source information, but it has a certain ring of authenticity to it. And the suggestion is that uh, this, this gentleman was uh, badly injured and probably dead. So that probably isn't him uh, that we're seeing in the photograph, or if it is, it's a, it's a pretty poor um, Photoshop. But it's imperative that, again, Zelensky's in the business of shaping perception. He's never been somebody who, um, who earned his reputation by telling the truth. This is a man who has been lying to his people and to the West from day one, and he's lying now. He's lying even though he knows that Ukraine has no chance whatsoever of achieving any militarily significant um, objectives or outcomes from this counteroffensive, he's lying, saying that that is a possibility. Therefore, it's worthy of the sacrifice that is being demanded of the Ukrainian army. And he's doing this purely to create a perception that he continues to be a viable leader of Ukraine, worthy of NATO support. So this man is sacrificing the lives of tens of thousands of Ukrainian soldiers just so that he can continue to embezzle tens of billions of dollars from NATO in the United States. I don't know about you, but if Klitschko was advancing on me in the ring, uh, I wouldn't be looking forward to his first punch. I mean, you could fight him better than I could, but uh, even you even you wouldn't like to be in the way of a Klitschko right-hander. Uh, do you think no. what he said today was significant? I, I was frankly surprised by how critical he was. And how darkly he spoke about all the games and all the fighting going on, not at the front, but, but at the center, in the, in the catacombs of Kiev. It's, it's clear. First of all, Klutskov is another one of these um, potential contenders for the throne. 
uh, in March. He is a, a viable candidate to challenge Zelensky. Um, and so you have to evaluate a lot of what he says from that perspective. Is he trying to generate a political controversy uh, for his own political gain? Or is this an accurate uh, reporting about the, the sad state of affairs? And I think it's a combination of the two. I think you can report truthfully about the sad state of affairs and seek to benefit from it uh, politically. Um, he understands the level of corruption and incompetence. He understands the cost that has been accrued because of it. And I think he's tired of this, uh, of, frankly, what, speaking is what is the murder of, uh, of Ukraine's um, you know, man, manhood, um, because that's what's happening. This is murder. This offensive should never have happened. There's no military professional out there worth his salt who would claim that Ukraine had a chance. This was purely a political um, exercise, uh, but it's one that's being paid in uh, you know countless gallons of Ukrainian blood. And I think Klutskov is 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 sick and tired of it. He's a man who understands uh, sacrifice. He understands uh, violence. Uh, and he understands when to fight and when not to fight. And I think um, his voice will become increasingly uh, relevant in Ukrainian politics as Zelensky's star starts to fade. And it's really going to fade after this NATO summit because uh, Zelensky's not going to be able to come out of this looking good. It's NATO is going to walk away from the summit understanding the reality of their defeat, their demise, the failure of their anti-Russian gambit, and uh, the fact that they're going to have to learn how to uh, live with Russia, which means they have to jettison Zelensky. It's not all bad news, though, Scott. Uh, they are about to benefit from an accounting error in Washington. <laughs> a mere $6.2 billion should have been sent to them, but wasn't, and presumably now will be. Uh, we've grown used to the Pentagon losing not uh, billions, I think arguably over 30 years, trillions of dollars yeah. that they cannot account for. Uh, but were you shocked at the discovery of $6.2 billion down the back of the sofa? <laughs> well, it's motivated me to go uh, check the, the, the couch cushions myself to see what I might find. Uh, maybe I'll be able to buy some ice cream tonight. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a cute little accounting trick. It's one that Congress should really look into because what's happening now is um, more and more people are starting to question the um, the outlay of U.S. taxpayer money, and rather than go back to Congress and say we need an additional six point five billion, they have this accounting trick. They they basically overpriced the value of the material sent, uh, and 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 so by repricing it, they miraculously generate. Uh, six point five billion dollars that can now be used on on other material. Um, you know, the IRS wouldn't let me get away with that on my tax return, and I don't think the U.S. Congress would allow the, uh, the Biden administration to get away with this in terms of their their uh, creative accounting on um, on how U.S. taxpayer dollars are spent uh, in Ukraine. Scott Ritter, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. How's that poll going? Who's more likely to see jail time, Donald Trump or Hunter Biden? 13,609 people have voted. And it's kind of even, you know, if you've got a point of view, record it on one of our voting platforms, please. 
You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. An email from Derek Chadwick. I'm surprised at Mike from South Carolina taking that attitude with you on last Sunday's show. You were right to issue him with a straight red card for his behavior. In the past, Mike has been a decent caller on occasions. I suspect he had his Ward 5 moment and got to the phone as the staff changed shift. Onwards and upwards. Thank you, Derek. And his behavior in the chat this evening is even worse than his behavior on the air uh, the other night. He's not banned for life, uh, but he got a red card during the last show, and I'm giving him another red card for calling me a coward and all kinds of things on the chat this evening. So that's two red cards. It'll be a substantial suspension. One day he'll be back on the air. And by the way, Mike, I've been called many things, but a coward isn't one of them. Uh, Who's more likely to see jail time, Donald Trump or Hunter Biden? 15,000 people have now voted, and it's still kind of in the balance. Let's hear what Garland Nixon thinks about that. He's back. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Garland, welcome back after too long to the mother of all talk shows. Beautiful to see you again. Um, thank you for tell us about for, this. Uh, yeah, tell us about this sweetheart uh, deal. I mean, there's sweetheart deals and sweetheart deals. This is this is a big Valentine's box he's been given, hasn't he? Talk about getting out of jail free. Yes, it kind of reminds you of the Epstein sweetheart uh, deal in uh, Florida a few years back. Uh, Basically, um, they found a few uh, odds and ends that they could charge him with that he could uh, walk on and they could clean this mess up and say, look at this. We went after um, Hunter Biden. All is fair. And he was held accountable. Um, One of the big questions here, I think that's obvious, is that Hunter Biden did not get any charges relative to the um, the FARA, the uh, Foreign Agent Registration Act. Um, laws. They were during the Mueller investigation, you know, all throughout, they were thrown out. Uh, Paul Manafort, um, a number of people were charged with FARA, uh, with FARA Act violations, but Hunter Biden was never charged, even though it's clear that he was acting on behalf of a number of different um, foreign um uh, companies, governments, et cetera. I would suspect part of that is because of his connections to Joe Biden, that if they show that he was operating on behalf of foreign governments or foreign entities, and then eventually it comes back that the vice president of the United States was receiving some of those funds, that it's going to be a, a much larger scandal for Joe Biden than it will be for Hunter. So I think they part of this was uh, protecting Joe much more so than it was um, Hunter Biden. He was just a chess piece here, in my opinion. You see, this is one thing I don't understand, Garland, and I thought I knew your system. Uh, You're supposed to have checks and balances. You're supposed to have uh, a a situation that the president is not 
all-powerful, that the Congress, that the courts uh, are uh, equally powerful, and yet you've got a Republican-controlled Congress that appears powerless to the blatantly partisan use of the Department of Justice in this way and, uh, and in other cases. Yeah, I think what we're seeing here now is uh, reality as opposed to the falsehoods that have been perpetrated about the United States being some kind of a constitutional republic or democracy, which um, goes by the rule of law. Here, what we see is an empire, and an empire by its very nature tends to go by arbitrary application of the law. This is a country that, let's not forget, murdered the president, um, the CIA killed the president, that the president, that same president's brother was uh, was was, you know, looked like he was on the way to winning again, they killed him. So if you look at what our um, government is doing, if you look at what our intelligence agencies are doing right now, what's going on, I think what we have is the most honest representation of the United States government that we've ever had. In the past, we talked a good game, but what was going on beneath the surface was far different. So we now see what's going on with Donald Trump. It's simply lawfare. They're using the Espionage Act against Trump, against um against uh, Julian Assange, anyone they can. They are intimidating members of Congress. Um, we can all recall uh, Chuck Schumer talking about the six waves from Sunday that the intelligence agents have to go against a sitting president. So in, rea in reality, as, as frightening as it, as it may seem, what we're seeing now is a banana republic being exposed. We're not turning into a banana republic. This is what we've been for many decades. Yeah, but the exposure uh, is very, very ugly. And uh, they've now got somebody on their trail. Uh, there are many of us who have been on their trail, but we were fleas uh, to an elephant. Uh, we were a mouse roaring into the wind, as one of our colleagues used to say. Uh, but now you've got RFK Jr. with this name recognition, almost priceless name recognition who is now openly talking about the conspiracy, certainly against his uncle. Uh, he seems a bit more cheery uh, about his father, but the conspiracy against his uncle, it's almost like him and Bob Dylan are working in tandem when they are pulling apart this murder most foul. And uh, you're right. A country that can murder its own president in daylight on television is a country that's capable of anything, right? Yes. And uh, what's important now is not just that RK, RFK Jr. is saying it, but where he is saying it. What is critical now is that we have the existence of very powerful alternative media outlets such as yours. Look at... Um, uh, uh, Tucker Carlson is back with literally hundreds of millions of views. So the mainstream media is ignoring RFK Jr. and Cornell West and even um, the, the reality that right now, with all of the attacks on Donald Trump, he is six points ahead of Joe Biden. If we had an election today, Donald Trump would beat Joe Biden. So the mainstream media ignores all of these things, but you can find RFK Jr., you can find Cornell West, you can go online, people are migrating away from mainstream media, from propaganda, and they're going to shows like this, Tucker Carlson, YouTube, Rumble, wherever, and they're able to, in very large numbers, find out the truth. And I think that's why we've had the level of censorship and attacks that we've had on alternative media.
Uh, for sure. Uh, but this is 2023, not, not 2003, there are, uh, or 1953. There are not many ways to wholly censor. Uh, I see that Kennedy has now gone to rumble. For the moment, rumble is the byword of free speech. Uh, they're never going to uh, be able to stop him, at least not in the foreseeable. Uh, the, the Joe Rogan show. Uh, Spotify uh, are allowing him to platform people uh, like yourself, like Max Blumenthal, like uh, uh, like uh, Roger Waters uh, and Jimmy Dore and his show and so on. The number of platforms on which we are now uh, launching our uh, ballistics from is increasing and increasingly influential. It's not that long ago, about three weeks. We had an audience in seven days of 3.28 million people. Uh, this is unheard of. And they're not going to be able to stop it. Uh, when you look at the kind of audiences that uh, MSNBC and even Fox, now that uh, Tucker has gone, it's a death knell for the so-called legacy media, isn't it? Absolutely. And what's important, critical here is not just that the uh, events are being um, reported on on, alter on alternative media, media, but how they're being reported on. As an example, Prime Minister Modi is in uh, Washington, D.C. He's here in the States and he's doing a tour. He's going to be speaking to Congress. So the mainstream media just goes over um, that he's there, the basics he's going to be talking to Congress. One of the whisper campaigns, one of the things that's being talked about on alternative media is the issue of Kashmir. And I think it was brought, brought up by your, um, brought out by your um, coverage about Pakistan, that the neocons are using Ukraine on Russia's border to go after Russia. They're using Taiwan on in China to go after China. It is inevitable that a in an India that aspires to be a global power, the US has overthrown the government of Pakistan and Pakistan and Kashmir is on their border and it is a needle it is a, it is you know poking Kashmir would be by like poking someone in the eye with a hot needle and inevitably that the if the if the uh the Indian prime minister pays attention there's just a matter of time before he's going to be accused of human rights violations. And what do you know, Kashmir is going to need democracy. The U.S. is going to have to pump weapons there to protect them, blah, blah, blah. But those kinds of discussions, which I think need to be had, are starting to arise on social media. I think that's an important discussion. Yeah, uh, the concern about human rights in India rises and falls in direct proportion to the perceived closeness of India to Russia and China. It's not about morals. I've been talking about Kashmir for 40 years. Nobody wanted to hear me. And now, in the American media, uh, it's a kazos belly, to, it's a stick to beat Modi with. There, 
Yes, there's there's little doubt. Um, additionally, we had another one of Biden's, and we're not really sure if it was if it was a gaffe or not. But as I'm sure you know, um, Secretary Blinken went to China ostensibly to smooth things over, whatever the case may be. He came back with promises that you know things would get better between the U.S. and China. Within 48 hours, Joe Biden was on uh, doing giving a speech and referring to the president of China as a dictator, and he was back uh, at the old uh, spy balloon trope again, which has infuriated the Chinese. Now, there are those who suspect that it was the good cop, bad cop game. But I personally believe that, in a nutshell, Joe Biden is not cognitively able to maintain the narrative that the that his own administration is putting forth and they may have even told him hey let's stay away from the from the 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 issue of china but joe biden got to talking and now he's started another international row by um, insulting the president of china immediately after his secretary of state said we're going to respect you and we're going to try to smooth things out and have a better um, have a better relationship. <laughs> well, my money's on your theory, not on the idea that it was a good cop, bad cop. I don't think Joe's capable of carrying out that kind of subterfuge. Uh, Garland, help me with this, and I'm sure other people. Uh, Cornell West uh, started out as the People's Party candidate, it seems to have morphed into the Green Party candidate. Please explain what's going on there, would you? In a nutshell, one of the things that has happened in the U.S. is that um, the laws have been changed over the course of history. It started in the early 1900s, where there was a, uh, I believe, the Bull Moose Party changed into the Progressive Party, and the um, a lot of laws were um, enacted around the country to make it difficult for parties to get on the ballot in uh, in individual states. And uh, the uh, the People's Party is very small. They don't have a lot of access to ballots. So it would have been very difficult for Cornell West to have an opportunity to uh, be effective, to get a lot of votes, because uh, maybe a few states he'd get on the ballot. The Green Party is already established, already has ballot access on at least somewhere between 40 and 44 states. They can work on the rest. So I, I think it was really about um, ballot access. It was about if he really believes that he has a chance to win, and if he really wants to send the message that he's actually trying to win and he believes in what he's saying, it makes more sense for him to go to a party where he will have legitimate ballot access rather than simply, you know, be a candidate that's saying all the right things. But when it comes um, time to vote, that people will not, you know, they'll have to write in candidate or something like that. I think that that's what it was about. It was an administrative move more so than anything else. Now, uh my friend, your friend, Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. Stein, Jill Stein, uh, she, she ran and she fought a good campaign in the teeth of uh, real vicious, slanderous lies. She was a Kremlin agent and all of that. Uh, and she didn't affect the outcome. In the only time I think the Green Party has affected the outcome uh, was when Al Gore uh, was the the nominee, when the result was narrow, at least according to the courts that actually decided it. Uh, but the Green Party, you could argue, cost uh, Al Gore, a great environmentalist, if nothing else, uh, the, the victory. Presumably, the Democrats will make the same attack on Cornell West, that he's 
risking splitting the Democratic base uh, and allowing uh, Donald Trump, uh, presumably, uh, in as president again. How will he deal with that kind of criticism? Well, the fact of the matter is this, that after eight years, I mean, excuse me, after four years of Joe Biden, um, there are a lot of people in uh, in this country who are who are concerned not just about politics, but about the existence of humankind. I think the um, what the uh, Democrats are trying to argue is somehow that um, uh, Cornell West is stealing their votes, but he's running in a different party. So if they're arguing that Cornell West is stealing their votes, they could just as well argue that Donald Trump is stealing their votes. He's not in their party. They do not have the right to claim votes in a party that they don't belong to. Furthermore, Joe Biden is having, you know, every time you turn around, he's having a summit for democracy, a worldwide democracy. Well, a big part of, the, of democracy, the major part of democracy is that the voters are in informed and have the opportunity to choose. So they're saying we want to reduce the opportunities that the voters have to select a candidate that aligns with their ideological or environmental or whatever the case uh, um, uh, bend. So the argument is if you feel that um, Cornell West is not a good candidate, simply beat him. That's easy enough. I don't. It's interesting. I don't hear Donald Trump or the Republicans saying, hey, the they shouldn't run. I don't hear anyone else saying this party shouldn't run. This is the law. And if the um, Democrats have addressed the needs of the American people in a way that um, the American people see them as their best option, they'll take it. But I think this is an excuse now. They're looking for excuses because I think they recognize that they're, go they're going to lose and that they have been politically suicidal over the past several years. You still think Biden will be on the ballot in 24? I really don't believe that Joe Biden will be on the ballot in 2024, to be frank. When I see the level of cognitive decline that Joe Biden is experiencing right now, you know, I have had, and many of us have had family members in which we've seen for any number of reasons such cognitive decline, and it tends to work as empires crash, as they say, slowly then suddenly. And I've had family members where I've seen people who have had cognitive issues that continue to go down, and then within a matter of a couple of weeks, it takes a turn. I don't see how Joe Biden will be in a uh, mental condition a year from now to have a uh, debate with Joe Biden when, again, he's wandering around the stage. He's making what people call gaffes, but in fact, they're um, very serious uh, mental mishaps, and uh, they're not going to be able to call them what did they say in 2016? Stuttering. They're, it's kind of going to be hard to say he stuttered out, God save the queen. Man. He, he added, God save the Queen, man. Thank you very much, Garland. A delight to see you back on our show again. Most uh, grateful to you. Thanks for joining us, Garland Nixon, the one and only. Uh, my patrons on Patreon are very, very important people to me. Here are some comments from them. Uh, Emias Abebe, in reference to Biden and Trump, says, nobody from the deep state has ever been sent to jail. So Hunter is safe for life. I'm not a fan of Trump, but he is not in that club. That is what he is striving for. And James Lenehan says the fix is in at the Department of Justice. Just today, Hunter Biden, on a plea deal, pled to two misdemeanors for no jail time. 
They will do the same for Sleepy Joe. Well, that's where the Congress has to come in, doesn't it? Have they no power? Can't they impeach? Can't they prosecute? Uh, my good friend in America, Teresa Kelly, a legend of moats, says neither will do jail time. Elites always protect their own. And Roe Orr says neither. Graham Briggs White, another legend on moats, says more likely is a good one as nothing sticks to any of them. Justice is purchased and judges bought, as in the case of Stephen Donziger and Sakulas. And of course, the more obvious, I don't need to mention, very well said, Graham. Jonathan Wood says Trump more likely, but I doubt he will. And Paul McDonald says neither of them. Raymond Barker uh, says, will the next counteroffensive involve NATO soldiers? Not likely. And don't forget to support me, if you can, on Patreon. Please search patreon.com forward slash George Galloway. Thank you for being patrons. Back to the lines. Simon is in London on Boris Johnson. Haven't heard of him for a while. Go ahead, Simon. Well, George, hope you're well, mate. I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. Hope yeah, good, mate. Yeah. That's great. That's great. I was going to start off by comedic, comedic note by saying, God save the Queen, man. But I mean, that's taken by, that's taken by our man, um, uh, uh, Joe. <laughs> anyway, on the yeah. that Boris yeah. has been found to be a misleading parliament, it's rather ironic that the Sunday Mirror has just the video of the Christmas party um, that took place at Conservative HQ over the weekend and um, on, on their website it was, I think. And this comes as no surprise to me because I've openly stated on your show in the past and on various other media networks that um, uh, drug-fueled, alcohol-fueled parties are very common throughout Westminster, both during COVID and outside COVID. Remember, this is a place where sniffer dogs found that there, were co- there was cocaine all over the, all over the show. In, in, in Poland. And um, j- the journalists, particularly those embedded in the press packs, were not only fully aware of the parties, but most likely took place, took part in the decadence and butchery themselves. However, what con- concerns me the most, George, is not the fact that the politicians lied to the public, which they do anyway, not even the fact that journalists were aware of the parties, but rather only chose to release those images and videos when a certain agenda suited them. And in this case, the agenda was to um, a kind of ridicule. Boris. I mean, he's already a, a failed character in many people's eyes, including my own, including Nigel Farange's eyes, and probably even a guy like JF, uh, JRM, Jacob Rees-Mogg's eyes, his own, his own friends. Uh, but they've only released this video when it's suited a certain agenda, and that agenda, of course, is to cancel Brexit or make a situ- create a scenario where Brexit is now irrelevant. You know, remember, pre- press pack journalists have to tread very carefully. If they release these images earlier without achieving what I consider to be the maximum potential impact, they'd probably most likely have lost their privileges and lost their jobs as a result. Now, forgive my anger here, but that's not journalism. Rather, someone else's very restrained opinion used to lull the public and not cause outcry towards the establishment. And it's tactics such as this that are being used to push the agenda of kind of like cancelling Brexit. I mean, to oust Boris 
but specifically and more importantly for them to cancel Brexit in this case. And it's a well-known fact, remember that the Mirror was one of the newspapers that was staunchly against Brexit. And it's now, as you can see from the political position it's taken, it's not, it's not changed. But even more importantly, it raises a rather moral question. What else do the media know? I mean, I would love to know what happened during the Iraq war, what videos were taken during the Iraq war, you know? I'd love to know, um, and certainly I think it cost uh, the British servicemen 179 lives, you know? Um, so it's definitely worth, I, I would love to see the raw footage of what was said between the Jack Straws of the world, the Donald Rumsfelds of the world, the Colin Powells of the world, and Tony Blair and George Bush, you know? Um, the fact that in today's day and age, we have uh, the journalists and, uh, and politicians collaborate hand in hand is a disgrace, you know? It prevents people from knowing the truth. A free and fair media is one of the hallmarks of a real democracy, for starters, you know? And we just don't have that at the moment, George. You know, I mean, where's the next John Pilger? No, I, I mean, argue, Simon, that's a, another, uh, another brilliant uh, call. I don't have time to deal with all the points that you made. Let me concentrate on just one of them, given the hour. Uh, they've already achieved the wrecking of Brexit, as I pointed out on GB News the other night. They're all Blairites now. Uh, the front bench of the Conservative Party and the front bench of the Labour Party are entirely indistinguishable. Uh, you could look from from uh, pig to man, from man to pig, and you would not be able to tell the difference. Sunak could easily be a Blair cabinet minister. Starmer probably wouldn't make the ministerial ranks or maybe be the junior undersecretary for paperclips in the Department of Agriculture and Fisheries, maybe something like that. Uh, but uh, the Labour Party policy has just been leaked. Uh, I read it this evening. Uh, they do not rule out a return to freedom of movement. The very freedom of movement uh, of cheap Eastern European labor uh, that caused the uproar, that caused the vote in Brexit to begin with. Labor does not rule out bringing it back. It explicitly states in its policy leaked today uh, that they will grow closer and closer to the European Union. So whether they will formally wreck Brexit, tear it up, reverse it, I'm not so sure. That would almost certainly require a referendum and I'm not at all sure that they could be sure of winning another referendum. So they'll go for the salami slicing uh, of uh, Brexit, which is, uh, of course, not being used properly by uh, this Conservative government at all, even under Boris Johnson. It had no guts, it had no glory, it had no colour, it had no verisimilitude. It didn't feel, see, look, smell like something different, something new. It just felt and seemed like the same old, same old Simon. Thanks for a great call. Stephen is in Norfolk on the U.S. intelligence agencies. Go ahead, Stephen. Yeah, good evening, George. Uh, pleasure to speak to you. And, uh, you know, I and really you, enjoyed just a, a little aside. I really enjoyed your takedown of the left-right nonsense that uh, we hear so much of. 
it's all much better. Thank if you. We yeah, it's all. It's, yeah, it's it's all bollocks. I'm only interested in in right and wrong, uh, not these self-defined liberals posing as leftists, uh, identity politics, uh, jamboree. That's what it all boils down to with them. It's individualism. Me now. It was the opposite uh, when I was growing up. I'm, I'm just, I'm a socially conservative socialist of a kind that used to be quite common around these parts, but now seems as rare as hen's teeth. Go ahead, Stephen. Yeah, so on that point, I was watching a program by Glenn Greenwald last night about Bill Crystal, who oh, yeah. I hadn't really known much about, but who is one of the remains, one of the leading neocon permanent warmongers. Yeah. And how former Trotsky, if I recall, was a Republican, was very keen on encouraging the extreme end of the Republican Party in its most uh, right-wing, homophobic, racist aspects. And uh, there's plenty of evidence to show what sort of opinions he held. But now he's a member of the Democratic Party and he's encouraging now... Really? He's actually joined, doesn't he? Movement and the most, you know, egregious aspects of that. So he doesn't care about social and moral issues. All he cares about is a vehicle for his um, uh, permanent war agenda. And the people who would accuse the likes of you and me, if they knew me, of being far right when we are far from that, are actually, without knowing it, in, in tow by people like Bill Crystal, And it's shocking. It is. I'll, I'll let you back in. I'll let you back in, Stephen. Uh, it is, you know, nothing much surprises me now. Uh, I'm of an age where I've kind of seen most everything. But this is possibly the most surprising turn of my lifetime. Uh, that the left support NATO, the FBI, the CIA, the war, more and more weapons, more and more money for the war, and the right, so-called, are the only people standing up against it, with, of course, a few exceptions on, on both ends of that. you any idea how that state of affairs came about, Steve? It's, it's extraordinary, isn't it? And, you know, even on Brexit, if only Mr. Corbyn had had, they known as a man of principle, and I'm not saying he's not, known for standing on his principles and not worrying about popularity. If only he had had the temerity to stand on his Benite principles. And in, yeah. uh, in 2020, 19 to have gone to the country with a socialist Brexit, he would have held every single yeah. red wall seat and maybe would have won the election. Yeah, yeah uh, that's my thoughts entirely. Uh, and uh, as I happen to know that he had not changed his Benite viewpoint on that subject, 
it's all the more inexplicable. It can only even be partially explained by the actions of people around them. Uh, but that would then call into question, question his strength of character, not to tell them to get lost. That's what I would have done, uh, either if I was sitting in his chair or if I was standing behind him helping him uh, in his chair. Uh, that's what I would have done when John McDonnell and Diane Abbott and, and Keir Starmer and, and all these characters came in and tried to force me uh, to effectively betray 17.4 million British voters, including millions of Labour voters, in the overwhelming number of uh, pre-existing Labour constituencies. I would have said, get out of here. We accept the result of the Brexit referendum and we will deliver a better Brexit than the Tories could ever think of delivering. That's what he should have done. Should have, could have, would have, if only. Thanks very much, Stephen. Great call, mate. Joe in New Jersey, probably the last call. Uh, Joe, always a pleasure. On Scott Ritter. Go ahead, Joe. Hey, uh, power to the people, and God bless Julian Assange and and I'd like to endorse Amen. Scott Ritter for, for president of the United States of America. There is no better choice currently anywhere. You know, uh, RFK, a bag of bullshit. Donald Trump, a bag of bullshit. Uh, Joe Biden, a bag of vomit, fermented vomit, vulture vomit. You know, and here you have Scott Ritter who stands with the people, stands for the benefit of the people. He speaks truthfully and openly. There is no ownership of Scott Ritter. Scott Ritter stands with the people. He was just over in Russia as an ambassador of goodwill. And, and, and he is a, a bridge between us and them. And, uh, and with his knowledge, his inside, uh, you know, he, he's been through it all from Iraq and all that. He's, you know, I saw him getting grilled by Joe Biden in front of, in front of the Senate, and, and he held up, man. He, he always stood for the people. He never betrayed oh, yeah. the he, people. He's, uh, he's, no, he, ne he never did. He's very strong, very eloquent, uh, never backs down. He'd be an ideal Secretary of State for Defense in uh, an administration that, uh, that could only be better than Joe Biden's. Uh, you are very trenchant in your view. Uh, of the other runners and riders, uh, as Scott will not be running for president, uh, we're going to have to choose, aren't we, between less than perfect choices. I've made mine very clear with all the caveats and all the doubts. I'm backing Robert Kennedy Jr. Kenny is the last call, and he is in Acton in London. Kenny. Well, there's the one for the money. Go ahead. Hello, George. How are you doing? All right? Hi. All good, sir. Not bad. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about this missing submarine or submersible that's doing it the uh, Titanic. Yeah. Have they found it? Have they found uh, it? No. The chances of finding it are extremely low. It's like finding a needle in a haystack, apparently. And even if they do find it, 
they then have to hook it up to wires and then winch it up to the surface. And mm-hmm. even if it's floating on the sea... And they're running out of air, running out of air, aren't they? Left the oxygen inside it. And even if it is floating on the sea, if they don't find it by the time the 12 hours are up, it's impossible to open up the hatch from the inside. It can only be open on, opened up from the outside. Now, I think this is okay. going to be the end of this company who have uh, in charge of the expedition. The lawsuits to the families of those on board will be in the millions. There was safety protocols that weren't followed. The vessel wasn't even certified by safety regulation. It was powered by like a PlayStation controller, powered by a small battery. It was the conditions on the inside. They didn't even have any seats. It's cramped. And that particular vessel apparently... They paid through the nose for it. They paid. Was it a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand to go to go? Down? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. What, what a tragedy! What a what a. Uh, uh, I mean, look, this Titanic uh, has a great magnetic fascination for people. You've seen the movie, you've read the books, you've seen the documentaries. And if you've got 200000 to spend on a ticket, why not dive down and see it? I don't think lawsuits will be any good, Ken, because they'll just bankrupt. The, they'll give, they'll, by the time this search is over, they'll bankrupt themselves. Uh, so nobody will get any money out of it. It's a tragic waste of life. I see that one of the people on board is a kid, the kid of, uh, who's on it with his father. Uh, I think they may be British or, or Irish. It's a great uh, tragedy and uh, the spirit of adventure amongst men and women will, will never die and sometimes these tragedies will occur. Kenny, thanks for bringing that up as a somber note to end the, the show tonight. But a last comment from YouTube. Hi, George. Please, can you ask for urgent Julian Assange his protest this Saturday at 1pm in Parliament Square, London. Uh, the Julian Assange, Ed Snowden, Chelsea Manning, something to say. On at 1pm, but I can't, but I'm asking you, the folks viewers who live in the London area or can travel to London, be there on Saturday at 1 p.m. in Parliament Square next to the Churchill statue because it may be the last chance. We're certainly getting very, very close to the last chance saloon for saving Julian and saving the reputation of our country, which will be besmirched forevermore especially the reputation of the legal system, stained in blood, because that's what will happen to Julian Assange if he is sent to the supermax prison in Colorado in the United States. For what? For producing pieces of paper on which was the whole truth about our leaders and their wars. It's uh, been marvelous, let me tell you, the poll 
On Telegram, 45% of you think Trump is more likely to see jail time. 55% think Hunter Biden. On Twitter, 56% think Trump. 44% Hunter Biden. On the YouTube community poll, however, 34% think Trump. 66% think Hunter Biden. And on the YouTube stream itself, 56% think Donald Trump, 44% think Hunter Biden. Unfortunately, no one's done the arithmetic for me, but that looks to me kind of 50-50, unless I am very wrong indeed. 16,854 people voted, and I'm very grateful to you all. Uh, God willing, I'll be back on Sunday at 7 p.m., the earlier time of 7 p.m. UK time. We'll have great guests. We'll have great callers like we have had this evening. And you'll have a monologue from me, which will hopefully raise the hairs on the back of your neck. I don't have Tucker Carlson's writers, but I have some of the gift of the gap. Good night.